0: Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and about the body more than clothes, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap the store or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, Each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: Thank you very much, Hannah. That was beautifully read. Thank you. Um, So today we're going to think about that passage that Hannah's read. Um, John started our series on guidance last week, looking at the big picture. Um, God created us as his masterpiece. And this week we're hopefully looking at more of the um, practical nuts and bolts um, next week, John Arthur will be looking at guidance in the Old Testament, and Leslie Cheeseman the week after will be looking at guidance in the New Testament. Um, and hopefully this will be useful for us as church as we navigate our future in this world, living with COVID, DLT elections, new minister, uh, plus obviously hopefully, I really hope that today is helpful for you on a practical personal basis as well. So, um, just if we could have the, the second slide of the PowerPoint, um, uh, Paul, just get past the first one. What's your biggest worry at the moment? Now, I'm sure I could probably predict, <laughs> if I was a gambler, which I'm not, but I probably could predict your biggest worry at the moment, uh, which is probably being ill or knowing someone who is ill from the virus at the moment. Um, But what's your next biggest worry? We'll take that one out of the picture at the moment. What's the next biggest worry that you have apart from this sort of COVID lockdown world we're living in? Um, My guess is that you you might uh, be thinking of something like health or being made redundant, worry about your children, work, stressful relationship with a family member or friend, caring for parents. Perhaps just add to the chat, any that you feel happy to put down, obviously, don't put down any names or um, anything confidential. But you know, perhaps if you just keep it to that kind of, you know, what what are your biggest worries? Um, just those sort of, you know, really generic kind of big things, like uh, as I say, being made redundant. Worry about children, uh, work, etc. What are our worries at the moment? And the second question then is, what's the biggest thing that you spend your time on uh, at the moment? So take away sleep and all those sort of uh, you know, basic functions that we have to do, so, <laughs> eating, various things like that. So what do you spend the majority of your time with, on? Just have a think about your week. What's the majority of your time spent on? So again, it might be family work, caring for somebody, doing the house or garden. Yeah, so just add to the chat again, your worries and what you might spend your time on. What, what are the things that sort of, you know, that are either your biggest worries or the things that you spend your time on? Yeah, Ali's just put down worries, her in-laws' health, um, and obviously time, a lot of time is obviously spent on the, the children, on the kids. Just have, if, if, if you're not, ha- you know, don't worry if you do not putting it on the chat, but have a think in your head, kind of what what those things are at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's time on Zoom. Kate's put the environment, worries about the environment. <laughs> Christy to-do list, yeah, my to-do list are, are similar. Although it's got much, much shorter since COVID. Yeah, supporting a bereaved friend who is alone. Yeah, Zoom chats, work, stresses, family health, worries, environment and the arts industry, absolutely. Yeah, worries, not being able to see family or friends, particularly at the moment, as we're in even more of a a severe lockdown, aren't we, here in Solihull and Birmingham at the moment. So the passage today, really, is, is thinking about time and worry and Jesus is really saying surely the birds you know have have a lot to worry about and yet you know they are catered for God looks after them um and I was thinking you know when I was thinking about the birds yes (laughs) I just like this black and white image of these birds flying around um you know, at first I was thinking, well, yeah, you know, birds have, don't have anything to worry about like we do. They don't have to pay mortgages. They don't hopefully have to worry about a the pandemic. They don't have to worry about what car to buy. They don't have to, you know, all these things that we worry about. They don't worry about that. They just have to worry about getting food and not being eaten or killed by a predator bigger than them. Um, and actually, God always looks after those birds. You know, they always have enough to eat the world provides for them. And worry is debilitating. You know, nobody works harder than, for a living than a bird, but birds don't worry yet, the Heavenly Father looks after them. Worry is useless, the past cannot be changed and the future cannot be charted. Therefore, we need to learn the lessons from the birds about the peace that should mark us as believers. Jesus wasn't saying that people shouldn't think about these concerns he was challenging them not to prioritize their worries. Instead of making today's needs their concern, he challenged them to seek God's kingdom first, to make God's rule a priority in their life. It wasn't Jesus' intention to dismiss legitimate concerns about daily needs. His point was that every single day comes jam-packed with things to worry about. If we're not careful, these matters will crowd out kingdom interests. By putting the kingdom first, the people could stay you know, aligned right with God while still meeting their daily requirements. And I think when we think about guidance, this throws up a kind of tension around guidance, the gap between rich and poor. You know, the poor in various parts of the world, their main priorities are finding food to eat, looking after their families and trying not to die. Us in the first world, we actually have so many decisions that we would never have had perhaps 50, 60 years ago. The immense choice of fruit and veg in our supermarkets to the variety of cars to choose from. Today we have such freedom of choice, but often I think that makes decisions much more complex. And I think you'll find that sometimes there is contradictory advice around guidance. One person might say, well, love God and do as you wish. Whilst the another person might say, deny yourself pleasure and there you will find God's will. An example we will come back to is a guy called Fred. Somebody who's having success as a teacher, but is frustrated by a lack of clear calling to the profession. How do I know I am where I should be? And why haven't I got a clear sense of my call? And therefore, perhaps I feel a bit unsatisfied. Perhaps that rings some bells with some of the people who are listening today. We'll come back to Fred a bit later on. So we're thinking particularly about perhaps how we make decisions, and that there may be different approaches to those decisions. So, you know, for example, I would say there's some very clear um, guidance about things that are against God's law and we're told about in the Bible. For example, adultery. We know that this is harmful um, to all parties involved and it's a no brainer. We shouldn't even need to pray about this. We should know that this is wrong. But I think the more complex decisions are often the personal decisions. What job to do, who to marry, where to live, where to go to church, how to spend your time or money. And so when we think about God's leading, we might think about these five things that might help us um, to make decisions and to hear God's voice and to, to um, respond to his leading in, his, in our lives. So, Paul, if you can put up the next slide, that'd be great. So we've got these five things and I've nicked these um, from the Bible in one year. Um, who, uh, Nikki Gumbel, who um, does the Alpha course HDB. Um, So he used these five things when he was talking about guidance for one of the the sort of Bible in the Year um, sort of passages. So we've got the commanding scripture, the Bible, the compelling spirit, the Holy Spirit, the council of the saints, the church, common sense, reason, and circumstantial signs, providence. And so I'm not going to go through all five of these because um, a couple will be picked up, I think, in the next couple of weeks as well. So Bible. Firstly, as Christians, we should have a good knowledge of the Bible and, and should be um, careful to not take passages out of context. Um, you know, we will not find a passage. I will not find a passage saying, Bernice, you should buy an 9 3 You know, it doesn't work as a crystal ball, but it will help us know God more and align ourselves more with who God is and where his heart is. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, as Jesus walked in this close relationship with God, studying the scriptures and teaching the truth, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, um, in John 15, 26, it talks about, prompted him with words of extraordinary wisdom. So we have the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom. Thirdly, the counsel of others. So talking to other wise people, this allows for the opportunity for people to expose any bias or blind spots we have. People who know us well, who are wise, I doubt that we can ever make decisions with pure uh, motives. We are imperfect people, um, and we will have, uh, you know, sort of uh, inner motivations that might, you know, be taking us in certain directions. And I think this is inevitable, but we should ask God to give us an overriding desire for his honour and glory that we may be able to judge well. And also, as I say, use the counsel of people around us um, to help uh, negotiate those bias or blind blind spots. Common sense, we'll talk about a bit later on. And then signs, I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll hear quite a lot bit more about how signs were used, particularly in the Bible, to guide people. Um, uh, as I say, over the next couple of weeks. Thanks Paul. So I think an important distinction to make is that there's a difference between God's future plan and his present wish. The Bible does not teach that knowledge of the future is necessary or even helpful for intelligent decision-making. Often the Bible is teaching about God's present will for us and our behavior whether we choose to obey or not. The Bible indicates that God's immutable plan will be carried out regardless of our cooperation. Thus, Jesus was delivered up by the deliberate will and plan of God to be crucified on a cross. If we did know our future, we might have no opportunities to grow our faith and to be asked to trust Him for each moment. I think some of us might get a prophetic sense and, and, and call to something. But I think this is more unusual than usual. So one of the passages that we looked at quite recently really was the shepherd and the sheep, the the sort of the picture in John 10. The sheep hear his voice, he calls them by name, he knows them, they know his voice. We like sheep may have very little sense of where we, we are going, but our shepherd knows us and sees the bigger picture. So I'm going to show, well, I'm going to get Paul to show a video clip in a second. And there's a Christian series called Chosen on YouTube and various other platforms. You can download it. It's an American crowd-funded project. There are eight episodes so far, um, but they're, on, they're working on more at the moment. Um, and it's a lovely, it's a beautifully sort of um, written series. It's, it's about sort of Jesus um, and taken from the perspective of those who um, came into contact with him. So very much kind of, you know, the people around him, how they saw him and and what their lives would have been like um, when Jesus came into the midst of those. And I I thought this clip, I saw this this week and I just loved it. And I thought this clip's tied in really well with hearing Jesus's voice. It talks about Simon Peter, who was the uh, fisherman at the time, Um, and he had seen Jesus already work in power. So he had seen the power of who Jesus was and he called him rabbi, he called him teacher. Um, and this is the miraculous catch of fish. Um, so it's about four minutes. So we're just going to watch this, and then just have a think about the end of the what what Jesus says at the end of this passage. So thank you, Paul. All
0: right. That's your word. Whoa, 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 whoa. The boat, it's still out. get out. My brother and the baptizer, <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want for me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me.
1: Hopefully you saw it, but it was a bit buffering on my end, which might be my internet, but um, I'd really uh, recommend having a look at the the eight episodes, which take sort of different aspects of um, people who encounter Jesus, really, really good. And the end of that clip ended with Jesus saying, follow me, uh, and Simon Peter says, I will. Um, A simple yet life-changing request. And this is, you know, definitely the definition of seeking first the kingdom of God. We may not all be called to leave our lives and jobs, but Jesus says, follow me to all of us. And are we willing to follow the shepherds? In Romans 12 2, it talks about, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This talks about proving the will of God, um, proving as a sort of funny word, but purifying precious metal in a furnace and testing the strength of it. We live out God's will and discover it through experience, having knowledge of God's will and the spiritual strength to carry it out. I should constantly strive towards an attitude of yielding, openness to will of God, to the will of God. If I'm willing to do God's will, I will do it. And so, you know, um, I think sort of that's that flexibility of you know, um hoping that we are sort of living in God's will, but, but having the flexibility to recognize that God may call us um in, in another direction, be able to respond to that. And when I think about my life and the major decisions that I've made, I think there were often practical ways that God guided me. So when I decided to do a gap year just after university, I knew I wanted to serve God for a year. And a friend at uni had already done a gap year with a similar, uh, with the same company, with the same organization a year before. So I'd already sort of heard of them and knew kind of what they did. I applied, uh, but was very willing to go where they sent. Um, they, They chose, they decided, they sort of interviewed you, looked at your skills and strengths and then decided where you should go. Uh, so obviously, I prayed, they prayed, they looked at my skills, and then they decided to send me to Belfast, which was a fab year I had a Belfast, working for a church over there, an uh, Anglican church over there. Um, and so, you know, I didn't get any writing on the wall, but I was willing to go where I was needed to serve. And when I got there, um, you know, I, I, I had a really lovely year, really enjoyed sort of everything I did. Um, And actually that year kind of guided me in terms of my future direction because it was there that I kind of first thought or, you know, working for the church might be something that I might like to do. And so 20, oh dear, a long, a long time (laughs) further on, probably 25 years later, you know, here I am. So, you know, God worked even through um, that gap year in terms of my future direction as well. So going back to the example of Fred, you remember Fred, who I talked about a bit earlier on, a teacher who perhaps was kind of thinking, well, you know, I'm here and I'm, you know, it's okay, but am I really doing God's call? I think sometimes we think just because there aren't any big bangs or amazing miracles happening every day, um, that we need to be somewhere else that perhaps we aren't where God has placed us and called us. But I think God has placed us, particularly, you know, I would perhaps suggest to Fred, You know, God has placed you in that place, in that school, to be a light, to shine like Jesus and be an influence. And you probably don't even realize the impact that you have had on numerous children or young people over that time. Um, But also for Fred to pray about seeing where God may be guiding him every day, that God may be um, leading him to the people that he might want him to come alongside and befriend and talk to and pray for in his um, scenario. Um, But even if Fred did choose to change career and decide that there is a plan B instead of a plan A, I think God can still work through those changes in situation. Um, I think God is often looking for us to be willing and obedient and to love him. If we feel that we don't have wisdom, then we should ask for it. James 1, 5 to 6, verses 5 to 6 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God and it will be given to them. I think all of us lack wisdom as in you know it's something that we can always do with more of and so you know every day why not ask God for his wisdom to show you his will to show you that um, in your day um, God is in that and will be guiding and leading you through that day. I don't think we should waste time asking God to help us choose shall I wear a green or a blue shirt today shall I have an apple or an orange I think God gives us common sense for those things but in a good rhythm of prayer every day that includes thanksgiving, petition, confessions of sins and intercessory prayers for others, then I think we should include that prayer for guidance for our day, God guide me in my, in my day, guide me in terms of what you want me to do today. Um, quite interesting, I thought I came across some um. Uh, So when I was reading around this, um, that when Paul was choosing the pathway for his next missionary journey in Romans 15, he says, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I enjoyed your company for a while. Paul seems to make a common-sense decision about where to go next. He makes this decision in light of which areas need his help. You know, I, I've, I feel that my place is finished here and I, I, I'm looking for somewhere else to go, uh, you know, next. So rather than, again, a supernatural answer or writing on a wall, um, you know, he, he decides practically to go somewhere else uh, because of the, the need that is there. And, you know, again, when we see people choosing leaders in the early church, Again, rather than expecting a supernatural occurrence, the decisions are made about uh, people using um, you know, knowledge of their ability and the quality of their faith using sound judgment. It seems to me that the Bible describes the ordinary guidance of God as the, the development of spiritual discernment. In other words, that kind of quest for holiness. Guidance is the product not of ecstatic heights, but of spiritual in other words, God guides us by bringing our hearts and minds into harmony or sympathy with his own heart and mind. So that when we study a situation, we discern what path would be best and would accord with the character and purposes of God that we know from the Bible. So when we, all, when we pray, we perhaps could say, "Lead me in thy truth or you know, guide me in, in thy truth and teach me. God teaches us in um, his way by alerting us to significant facts about the situation and by awakening us to the implications of his character and his purpose. So another sort of final example of that really is Psalm 25. Um, Paul, if you could put that up on the screen, that'd be lovely, thank you. Um, so David in Psalm 25 says, how can I be sure that I get led by God? Hopefully you've got the last slide, have you here, Paul? Just got some words from Sam on it. Bernice, no, sorry, I don't. I've just got a blank slide that says oh, okay. 25 on it. That's all right, no problems. I think um, I've I transferred I've, um, um what's the word transferred it from my apple so it's probably got a bit lost in that but that's okay so at the beginning of the psalm talks about in you lord my god i put my trust i trust in you and then it talks about show me your ways lord teach me your paths guide me in your truth and teach me for you are god my savior and my hope is in you all day long and the psalm highlights that as well as um, David asking God to show him the path to, to walk in, um, that he also omits his sinfulness, expresses his humility and confirms his trust in God. So by um, doing all of that, we're building that relationship with God. We're getting closer to God's heart so that hopefully then God will be able to show us the ways to teach us his path. And that sort of verse there, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my saviour and my hope is in you all day long. Verse 5, Psalm 25 verse 5. That's probably a good one to carry with us this week um, and use as our prayer this week. Uh, Because God is saying, do you trust me this week? Do you trust me for these big decisions, for these things that you worry about, for these things that you spend your time on? Do you trust me for those things? And seek first the kingdom. um, And one of the ways that we can do that is to say, guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. So... My kind of practical sort of um, suggestion really for where you go next and what you do next is why don't you think about a decision that you know or or something where you're trying to discern God's will this week and commit to pray about it every day for the next week, Uh, but also ask a friend to pray for you in that as well. So text somebody today or call somebody or speak to somebody today and ask them to pray about it too. You don't have to give loads of details, Um, but just ask somebody to um, pray for for this particular thing for you. Um, And so over the next week, pray for um, your um, decision and your friend's decision um, and then come back together at the end of the week and discuss and just see if there's anything that has been, um, if you feel there's any sort of verse or or something you feel that you've been given that you might want to share back with your friend or, um, you know, sort of something that, that where you felt that God has led you or guided you um, when you've been praying about that particular decision. So, you know, the why don't you is why don't you think about a decision or uh, something where you want to discern God's will this week. Uh, pray about it every day and also ask a friend to pray, but also pray for that friend's request so that you're both praying together for two things. And then um, have a chat about it at the end of the week and see where God might have been working. We are going to be doing a service, as I say, but um, next week, as I say, John Arthur will be speaking on Old Testament guidance. The week after, um, uh, Leslie will be speaking on New Testament guidance. But the week after that, um, John and I will be just coordinating a service where hopefully we'd love to have four or five testimonies of kind of three, four minutes length about kind of decisions that you've been discerning God's will about and how God has been guiding and leading you. And so, you know, do have a think and, a, and pray if you know that could be you and you know do contact us and let us know you know I think it's always really helpful when others talk about the process of what they've done and how God has spoken to them um, because I think that really helps others then sort of you know think about how God works and also you know just to be really encouraged by that as well we can be really encouraged by God working in each other's lives so do have a think and pray about that So I'm going to pray now as we finish. And as I say, please do pray over this next week. And please let us know next week how you get on. That would be really helpful. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for those words from Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Lord, we pray those words for each and every one of us that's here um, for this week. And I pray that you would speak to us through the various means that we've talked about, through the Bible, through prayer, through your Holy Spirit speaking to us, through common sense, through perhaps signs, um, through the counsel of others. We pray that you would help us to make decisions to discern your will, and to trust you um, for your care for us, just as you you trust and care for those birds. We want to say that we trust in, in you, and we trust in you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. We ask this in your name. Amen.